0: Yo yo yo, welcome to the Flex Zone. It's your man, your boy, it's your host, your friendly reminder, Jay Henderson. And I'm with I'm here with my friend, my new friend, Danielle.
1: Hello. So nice to be here. Thanks for having me, Jay.
0: Thank you. Thank you for being on. This is this is amazing. Um you have had a very very interesting journey.
1: Yeah, it's been pretty uh it's a bit it's a bit different than I guess the normal person.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so um I see. You started swimming when you was five years old.
1: Yeah, very young. I my parents are um, my parents are Aussie, so I have a Canadian accent because I was born and yeah. raised in Canada. But my parents are Aussie, so my parents grew up on the beach, and so yeah. I've kind of was a water baby my whole life. Um, oh, wow. And yeah, I was just I so, always loved being in the pool and yeah, being I, a little girl. I always tried to pretend that I was a mermaid.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I think I think we got a bad connection. Got a little freeze up.
1: Oh sorry, is that me? Oh
0: it's not me. Oh it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, just... so you you okay. are you you are actually born in Vancouver.
1: I was, yeah, in Vancouver, Canada.
0: Wow. Ah that's a that's a place that um I, I it's like it's on my to do list. So yeah right to it's do really next.
1: beautiful I mean it, it it gets cold probably a lot colder than Atlanta yeah. but it's like incredibly beautiful
0: yeah so um did you actually start your journey in 2001?
1: Yeah, 2001, I was uh, started doing the sport of synchronized swimming. It's now been at the Olympics. It's been officially changed to called artistic swimming. Um, and I would join that sport because, you know, like I would love swimming. My mom kind of just wanted to throw me in an activity and she's like, oh, you'd be you'd enjoy this. And uh, the first few years I didn't. I didn't actually like it that much, but then after a few years, I fell in love. And between the swimming and like the movement, and then the sparkly costumes, but also I think inherently, like I love um, working towards a goal. And I've even like as a little kid, I loved working hard and being a part of a team and having that camaraderie. So I it just kind of entranced me.
0: Yeah. So where where did the the desire, because I think I think when we when we go after our dreams, I think it becomes a desire at some point. where, where did it all start at?
1: Yeah. So I think what's a bit different about my story, and and this is why, you know, my book is called The Unlikely Olympian, and I've kind of like given myself that title, is because I was uh, participated in sport because I love sport. And I think that that's like the most important thing, you know, whatever we do, like whatever way we want to move our body, whether it be through martial arts or individual sport or team sport, just do something you actually love because that's the most important. But I always knew that I wasn't actually that talented at what I was doing. And I I really, even though I, like, I, I loved it. I actually gave myself a ceiling that I said that I would never go that far. And I think sometimes we do this for ourselves in our lives, right? Because we say, you know, I'm just not good enough to get any further. And so honestly, and I say this hand on my heart, a hundred percent truth that if you would have told me when I was younger, that I would be an Olympian someday, like I would have bet against you. Like there's no way that I would have ever believed that. But you know, life kind of took me down a different journey and working on my mindset my self belief and my confidence was such a big key to me actually ending up at the Olympic Games in 2016.
0: Wow that that has to be when I when I saw the book and the title, it, it's it's almost like in reference to anything in life that that we want to achieve, and we have to face those obstacles and those challenges that, and I I think I. I said to someone earlier today, the challenge is almost like that weight that challenges your muscle. But at the end result, you get that body that you that you want, that body that you mm-hmm. get to look. But but you have to go through the challenge. I saw that mm-hmm. you said um, you dealt with the little voices of what if. Yeah. That was that was pretty, pretty dope.
1: Yeah. I And I think that's like. You know, I think in all of us, there's like the doubt voice, right? The voice of like, oh, no, it's not yeah. possible for me. You know, um, it that can't happen. like, there's no way. But then I believe deep, 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 deep down. I think sometimes our imaginations like to play with this like cool concept of like, but what if it actually happened? What if it actually happened? The thing is, I don't know if enough people allow themselves to play in that field, right? And actually go, okay, well, what if, and what if you start working towards it? Because I truly believe, and you know, the reason why I'm so passionate about sharing my story is because I think that we see so many stories about Olympians and athletes, which is amazing. You know, like Michael Phelps and these incredible athletes that were gifted and talented and there were always gonna be stars. But I think the, the the more average person is, you know, someone probably like myself that was like, no, I can't do that. I don't believe in myself. That's not possible for me. I didn't always have the big dreams and goals, but I just mm. started to work on believing in myself a little bit more every single day and believing in the possibility of my dreams, even though they scared the living daylights out of me (laughs) and starting to take action. Because I think so many of us in this life, no matter what it is that we're dreaming of, we're afraid that we're going to fail. We're afraid that we're going to be judged. We're afraid that it's not going to work out. We're afraid what people are going to think of us. I can imagine even you starting this podcast, right? There would have been all this stuff coming up, but it's like, we've got to listen to that. What if voice more than those negative thoughts inside of all of our heads
0: yeah so when it, when it comes to when it comes to that uh, i think it was so profound and so prolific that you included that you to to have that and to be able to deal with it mentally and spiritually and and to give a a real breakdown um because you you're dealing with fears and emotions and all kinds of mental blocks that a lot of people mm. don't move past a lot of people mm. never get past that and you have uh so many people in the world right now that they probably live that every day. What if? But in a yeah. in a in a negative way, yeah. In a bad
1: way, way. Yeah, in exactly. a
0: bad way opposed yeah. to taking that in and, and turning it into something that catapulted you to that level of success. Yeah. That's that's yeah. A, that's a huge thing. A lot of people, a lot of people have dreams, mm-hmm. but I think it's you know like a, that incremental success when you. You, you want to be an NBA star, but you did make it to college. You didn't make it past college, but, but, and, and that's what people live off of the rest of their lives. They, they can, mm-hmm. they can say what they want it to be, but you actually live that. So can you give us. um Some of the strategies that you use to move past those fears, some of the things that you wrote in the book, I saw, I saw one comment um, from, from Natalie from Canada and she said, Danielle's book is a thoroughly enjoyable read. She shares a lot about her experience and thoughts behind her journey to the 2016 Rio Olympics and how shifting her mindset really set her up for success. That was, I didn't read the whole comment, but that that alone right there shows that it's it's infectious. It's contagious. Mm-hmm. Success is contagious. So can you walk us through some of those? moments that you had during that time and, and, and trying to get there with overcoming those fears?
1: Yeah, definitely. So two of my biggest fears were, I think, which is like I said, the common for most people is judgment and failure. I was so scared of what people were going to think of me. And I was so scared of failing. And I started to realize, and I explain this to my clients now, it's like, sometimes I think that we forget in life that fear is something that exists. And yeah. what you can choose, and I use this analogy, you, got, you get two cups in front of you and you have to choose a cup. You cannot walk away without choosing a cup. One of the cups is the fear of regret and wondering what yeah. if, what your life could have been. And I think so many people live with regrets because they feel like they weren't brave enough to do the thing. And then the second fear is the fear of judgment. I'm going to be afraid that people are going to judge me. I'm afraid that people uh, people are going to think that I'm going to fail. I'm afraid that I'm going to fail. You have to choose a cup. Yeah. Which cup do you want to choose? And I go, (laughs) even though I'm scared shitless of what people are going to think of me, I'm scared shitless of going all in and failing. I'm going to choose the fact that I would rather live my life going all in and knowing that I gave That's my right. best and always wondering who I could have been if I tried a little bit harder. And this is the thing I think what you referenced was so perfect about, you know, getting to um, college basketball, but maybe you didn't get to the NBA. It's I think this is what some of us forget. And this is a big key that I speak about in my book is you got to love what you're doing, right? That I yeah, think the reason why I ended up having success is because I took risks, but I also freaking loved my sport i know say you love basketball say you love football keep doing it because you love it and the end goal that we're looking for whether that be an olympics a world championships an nba finals a super bowl ring it's not about that specific thing but it's about who you become in the journey to being that person oh and i realized i had this moment that was right before olympic team trials basically i gave up my entire life i moved from vancouver canada all the way to perth australia um, which is very far across the world i took out a student line of credit i went all in right i fully went yeah. all in and i had this moment where I was like i'm two years into this what if i actually don't make the olympic team then what happens Then I'm gonna fail, and then I had this moment that allowed. I think of like it was like an epiphany, like you know Jesus came down and was like, "Ah," like it was powerful, um, uh, (laughs) Jesus, universe, God, like whatever it was, and I realized that it was never about the Olympics. It was about yeah. believing in myself that I could do it and proving to myself that I was yeah. good enough inside of me. Yeah. And if I got to the Olympic games, that was only going to be the cherry on top. Yeah. And once, and this is a powerful part of like manifestation, whether you believe it in it or not, like I totally released the outcome. And I said, I'm going to go all in and love it and take sacrifices and take risks and go all in. And I'm going to release my attachment to this outcome. And then in that, I already knew that I was enough. I didn't need the Olympics to prove to me that I was enough. And I let it go. And obviously, I did the physical things. Like, I went to training. Like, I worked really fucking hard. But sorry, I don't know if I can swear on here. But, (laughs) but, But and then in that, that was such a powerful moment for me. Because a week later, I went into Olympic team trials. We had judges coming from all over the world judging us. And when I initially moved to Perth, Australia, I was the bottom of the team. I was not the best. I was the bottom. And when I made the Olympic team, I came fourth.
0: Wow.
1: And I made the team. And it was this moment where, holy crap, I freaking did it. And I made this like promise with, you know, universe, God, source, whatever you believe in. I said, but you know, before I, I made the team, I said, if I do this, I'm doing this for every little girl inside of them that has doesn't believe in herself. I'm doing this for every person that has a wild, crazy dream. I'm doing this for every person that struggles with their confidence. I'm doing this for every person out there. And I'm going to share my story because I believe that this gift is so much bigger than me. And so, you know, my intention was also bigger because I was like, yeah, I get to do this for me. And that's a selfish, amazing thing. But I want to share this message because I think that's what is potent. We live and get inspired by other people's messages and their stories because we vicariously see ourselves through them. And I'm sure that there's people listening here that might be seeing themselves through this lens, right? You're not, maybe it's not the Olympics, maybe it's not synchronized swimming, but it's going to be something in your life that you get to finally leap at and work on your mindset because that was a big thing as well. And, you know, it was leaning into the fear and then working on my mind, realizing that I'm not the smartest person in the room, realizing that I'm not the best, but I can work on this. And a really powerful thing about being an athlete is, you know, there's only so many hours in the day all of us can train. Like we have 24 hours. You're not going to be training for 24 hours, but you only have so many hours in the day. But what I started to realize is like, how can I get an edge up on everyone else? I literally cannot work harder, but I can work smarter. I can work on my mind. I can work on my self-belief. I can work on taking feedback, learning from coaches, learning from people that walked before me and kind of accumulating all of that knowledge and really being a student of mindset and self-belief. I truly believe is one of the reasons that I attained the skills to actually make a team.
0: That is, that is absolutely, absolutely amazing. The fact that you have, because we, we can, it's, it's one thing to to hear about people who make these sacrifices, but to be able to use this platform to share with my people, my audience, my listeners, my viewers, and let them see that the sacrifice that you made, because you talk about manifestation. And I believe that our thoughts are to, especially the things that we desire the most in, our, in ourselves. Mm. If, if it don't manifest through you, then it's just like you have to be another type of lazy if you don't have that drive to to fulfill that burning desire to chase that thing that seems like it's so unattainable and 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 you face the biggest challenges and to my 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 fiance wanted me to to ask you a question I, and 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 she was because she was reading about uh synchronized oh, wow. swimming and she was reading about your story and she wanted That's to so know cool. <laughs> <laughs> what the experience was like with the training, you know, uh mm-hmm. just going through the training process. I think I, I was listening to one of your interviews and, and um you was talking about how many hours a day you train and how many days a week. But she was so interested in and in finding out about uh the water training, in in the water training and all that kind of stuff. So if you don't mind, can you just walk yeah. us through a little bit of that?
1: Yeah, of course. So um we were Training synchronized swimmers, artistic swimmers train a lot. It's the same thing across the world. And it's something, you know, another reason why I'm so inspired to share my own story is also to share a little bit more about the sport, because I think... You know there's there's a large portion of the world that really respects what we do and then there's still a large portion of the world that makes fun of what we do because they don't actually realize how hard it is um and i think that we honestly are some of the hardest working athletes that i have seen and that you know i've been I'm to the totally games i've seen i've seen people i you know this is a funny little story side tangent i will at the olympic games um in rio i met this uh really large he was huge i thought he was a basketball player i sit down beside him um he's on the aussie team and uh i say to him i was like what sport do you do is it basketball he goes no i'm a shooter just shoots um, which is amazing right really cool he shoots from 50 meters away into like a tiny spot very cool very skilled and he goes yeah it's my fourth olympics and i'm like wow how much do you train he's like yeah three hours a week and i'm like that's not even half a day of my training he trains three hours a week and i'm like if i train three hours a week i go to four olympics um so just to give a little bit of behind the scenes every sport is so different right but in our sport When we are on training camps all together what our normal schedule looked like um, is that we would train six hours a day in the water so we would get up we would have a land session that was about an hour and a half to two hours we do everything from running to stretching to medicine ball workouts just to regular um like uh strength and then we get in the water we'd have a three hour session in that three hour session we'd have about an hour water workout so swimming laps this is you know anyone's a swimmer here It's not going to like me, but what they do as their sport, we do as our warm-up. So, you know, just to say a little bit about us. Um, And then we would do our routines and practicing our different um, skills. Um, So a part of our, uh, like, training is, like, kind of refining our skills. So, uh, you know, sometimes people know gymnastics more. So we have to get, like, our technical things really correct, right. But then we also have to train our cardio in a team. So then we'd stop for lunch for about an hour, an hour and a half. Then we'd have another three hours in the water in the afternoon. So, you know, synchronized swimmers, it's on average train anywhere from six to eight hours a day in the pool. Um, And then we do a couple hours on land and that's like five and a half days a week. Um, There was times that was six and a half days a week, you know, for us. And so that is, that is normal. Even when I was at the Olympic games, you know, we were training Five or six hours a day in the water and that was kind of our taper period that was kind of like our our not as hard period um, and you know the workouts that we do and the routines that we do, I don't think people understand how hard it is to basically perform at your highest capacity while your heart rate is 160 to 180 beats per minute and holding your breath half the time while being upside down, you know? So it's an incredibly difficult sport. Um, And because it is so difficult, that's why it takes so many hours to really refine what we're doing. Um, And so like I kind of liken it to imagine running a 400 meter sprint. With eight other people having your eyes closed or not being able to see half the time and holding your breath half the time. Like, it's very hard. And so it's very unlike any other sport really that exists, but it is, I you know, one of the things I hope to see in my lifetime is just the world start to appreciate how difficult it is and and how incredible it is. Because we also, in the middle of our, our routines, not only are we upside down and right side up and changing patterns and putting our legs in the air, we also create these things that are called highlights. So they're like human pyramids pyramids so kind of if you've ever seen it in cheerleading where they throw someone up we do the same thing except we don't have a ground and we can't touch the ground and so we throw people you know one two three meters up in the air and then they land and we do about six or seven of those in a routine so it is a very difficult sport
0: (laughs) yeah i can imagine i I was i was watching um because i I really wanted to it's it's one thing to to see out. you i could pass by it or uh, I could be strolling and see some synchronized women, but to actually understand in depth what you all go through to, to train and to prepare mm. for this sport. How much of, how much of that carries over when, when you're done, you, you've been to the Olympics and you've done all of this training. How much of that carries over into what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, well, Jay, one of the things I've always said, Jay, is I wish that I could bank all the hours of workouts that I did, and that would just pay off for the rest of my life, yes. Um, because that would be awesome, because I feel like I've worked out enough for like two lifetimes, yeah. um, but... <laughs> Yeah. One of the things, I mean, it's just a, a, like, I still love swimming now to this day. I've been retired for a few years now. Um, it's just helped me have like pretty, like I'm not even the most flexible. I'm, I'm not very flexible in, in our sport, but I'm pretty flexible as an average person. Um, yeah. You know, and I think one of the greatest things outside of just like the fitness perspective is the mindset and the experience that that yeah. entire journey gave me. And that's kind of why I've moved into the work that I do now, which is, you know, I podcast as well and and do coaching and work a lot with people around mindset and self-belief because that applies to everything it applies to entrepreneurship it it applies to being an athlete it applies to you know even just in relationships like i really believe that believing in ourselves and working on our mindset is the key to really having a holistically successful life
0: yes yes sustainability i think it's a it's definitely a standard and and a lot of people try to get around it i think a lot of people want to Take that. They want to know that shortcut. It, there is no shortcut to success. There is yeah. no shortcut to fulfilling your dreams. Or you, you got to put that that energy. You got to put that work in. And to mm. to listen to you say, like, just I can I can barely stand to put my head under the water in the shower. <laughs> not <laughs> not <laughs> yeah. Be upside down and to be able to be able to focus at that mm. level. You know, you have to have some type of discipline and and um, self worth, even to to share that with other people. Now you've done it, and now you're sharing it with other people in your podcast and and you, you're coaching and everything. So you you talk about. Um, I read a post on your page. You talk about um, the past eighteen years, and now you're seeing men synchronized swimmers. What's the what What was going on with that? What What was the problem with having. Uh, Miss. was there a reason
1: yes it's actually really interesting because um i think synchronized swimming and I think rhythmic gymnastics is similar. It's probably the only sports or places in the world where we kind of experience the reverse part of sexism, <laughs> where men weren't allowed to compete for many, many years. There's actually an yeah. incredible um, American male synchronized swimmer called Bill May, and he competes. Uh, sorry, he he is still um, works in uh, Cirque du Soleil in Las Vegas, and so he's in one of the shows there called o, that's Oh, That's wow. like a they have the water um, show there, which is amazing, and he was. One of like the leaders in making this shift in in the synchronized swimming world, and he actually tried out. You know, he tried out for the 2000 Olympics, and he was good enough to be on the team. But he wasn't allowed to be on the team because he was a man. And like, it's just crazy because we just don't, I don't think that this has conversation has been really seen enough. Um, And so only in 2015, which is, uh, was the world championships in Russia, which I got to compete at for Australia, is the first time that men were allowed to compete at a world championship level in synchronized swimming. And so one of the greatest honors of my life, you know, other than going to the Olympics was in 2019, I got to be Australia's first um, mixed duet. So I competed with my, um, teammate Ethan who was my duet partner and so we got to make history for Australia and and debut um, at world championships in South Korea and just recently it's been so cool to see the push because there's been um more like small boys all around the world starting to participate in the sport and i think it's kind of similar to ballet like it, it people say oh it's a girly sport now it's like no we're strong we're powerful yeah. you know we might wear a sparkly suit sometimes so that doesn't me- take away from what we do and men yeah. just because physiologically they are made different. Men have more upper body strength than women. It's just matter of fact, they actually have the capacity to be better than women. And so recently um, the men were just allowed if for the next Olympics, which is in Paris in 2024, men are allowed to compete for the first time in in the sport, which is really, really, really cool. And so I'm excited to see where the the sport goes in the next 25 years, because I feel like we're just on the beginning of, of seeing some really cool shifts.
0: Yeah. So do you you have any plans of um, I don't I don't I think really, really far. Do you have any plans of like uh, maybe coaching someone that's that's um, like going back to the Olympics, but just, you know, like a lot of people, a lot of the NBA players, they retire, then they go back and coach the NBA team. Do you do you see yourself
1: in in that field? Yeah. I um I was involved. I actually coached in the sport for about seven or eight years, and and I still um I because I because of COVID and and I've been traveling, um lately at, it's really kind of a sport where you have to be there full time, and so it's been nice to give me a little bit of a break because I was all in. Yeah. I smelled like chlorine pretty much permanently for 18 years. Um, and so I've given myself a bit of a break. I don't know if I would ever be a full-time coach um, because I really do love what I do, you know, in in speaking and podcasting and online. But, you know, one of my dreams and um, desires is to really ca- kind of come in and do some consulting and just continuing to help athletes with their mindset. Because even though, that was touched on when I was an athlete. You know, that's something that I really pursued on my own, and I just believe that if we do more, we had some amazing sports psychologists, but I think if if coaches had more awareness around mindset and self belief and working through limiting beliefs and working on confidence, I think that that would really enhance actually the outcome um, yes. of a lot of athletes. So you know, that would be something that I would love to do in in the future, um, and and help teams and women and and boys around the world. To, to to really enhance at the sport.
0: Yeah, wow. Um, what is, what is that? What is that that I've I've done so many things in my life. I'm I'm 45 years old and what for some you do not look
1: 45.
0: I, yeah, I'm 45. <laughs> thank you. You look great. I've, I've, <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. I've done I've done a lot of things. I've done a lot of traveling and and moving around. And I have I have moments. That I always go back to, that I always refresh, and, and sometimes I can relive that moment and it give me that. Mo- What's that moment for you uh, that you reflect on that keeps you in memory of everything that you've uh, won and wa- you've in life? You're a winner. What is that moment that keeps you, you sustained and and, and refreshed?
1: Like a, a a memory that I kind of I, that I love and reminisce on. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, actually. Okay. Can I tell you two? One, one is a funny story that I feel like I have to share and then I'll tell you the inspiring one. Um, because I think one of the things I love sharing is like so many people ask me like, what was it like at the Olympics? Um, and I had this really cool experience actually with the Fijian rugby team. Um, and, and I love and appreciate when, um, like, I think stereotypically we think that women are interested in, in synchronized swimming but I love it when men are interested in synchronized swimming as well um, and so I was we were sharing a, a 17 story apartment building with uh, like it was Australia and then a lot of like the Polynesian islands you know like Fiji yeah. Vanuatu places like that and so Fiji was um, in one of the levels and the we were in, in Rio at the time the elevators were very slow and I was on the top floor and the Fijian team was below me and that was actually the Olympic set Fiji won a gold medal in rugby which was just incredible for the country and so there was one day where i was going i was just going back up to my room and i get on the elevator and i at the time you know i was really like tiny and like thin you know i'm I'm an olympic athlete at that point get on the elevator with the fijian rugby coaches and these guys have like about six bags of mcdonald's in their hands because mcdonald's is free at the olympic village if you didn't know which is like like, come on, like, let's have some healthier food, but free McDonald's for everyone. And so they had just won their gold medal and I get in the elevator with these and rugby coaches And I'm like looking at them and I just feel like a tiny little like sprout because these guys are, they're the, these, you know, rugby guys are big and then they're the rugby coaches. So they're these huge guys. And so, you know, it's a long elevator ride. So they're like, so what sport do you do? And I'm like, oh God, they're going to just roll their eyes at me. They're like, rugby, you know, that's like men. We like, oh, we wrestle. Um, And, and I'm like, oh, I do synchronized swimming. And then in this like really deep voice, they're like, I love that sport. <laughs> and then they look at me with all their McDonald's and, and they just, they all just look at me and nod. They go, Fiji will support you. You know, yeah. we're friends. And I was like, thank you. Wow. I did not see that coming. So Fiji was like cheering us on when we competed. be Fiji and rugby coaches, which is, that was like a cool little memory. And it was just me. So it was funny that that happened. But one of my favorite memories that I, reflect on and um is you know my entire life i have loved the olympic games you know maybe it was some mystical foresight that i had that i'd be there someday but i would every olympic games winter and summer i would sit down and watch the opening ceremonies and i would like cry my eyes out because i was so proud of every single one of the athletes that would walk out at the opening ceremonies i was like I just thought about everything that they had done to get themselves there, and so when I realized that I was going, I had this moment. It was like, oh my gosh, I get to be in the opening ceremonies of the Olympic Games, um, and I was like so excited because actually not a lot of athletes get to walk in the opening ceremonies. It's quite a, a long and exhausting process, and so if you compete in the first week, usually you can't be in the opening ceremony but we competed at the end so i got to be in and so we hop on these buses and there's like hundreds of buses um, and they stopped the, all the highway traffic in in uh rio and they all of us were like flying down the highway in our like olympic outfits and you come into the stadium in, in alphabetical order so australia is obviously like close to the front right um, and so we all line up and me and my teammates were like our thing was like we're gonna get on tv like i want to get on tv my family and friends are watching around the world and. gonna to get on tv so we're like trying to map out where the cameras would be and all of that and we like push our way to like the front of like the australian team of like 400 people so there's there's you know um there may be about 200 or something there's a lot of people there um and the first line of athletes um, is chosen so it's usually like famous athletes that are known in the country so the first line of people is chosen there's flag bearer first line and then we're right behind them and as we start to walk into the big uh, huge i think it was like hundred thousand seats in the stadium we go down this dark tunnel and you can just feel because the, the the gate like the show is going right so you can feel the energy of all these people and i had this moment where you know as an athlete you have to really be in the zone all the time but that was kind of a moment i just allowed myself to really experience it all and we go into this dark tunnel and um i start i, I grab my teammates hand and all of a sudden, I don't know if you know, but Australia has like, they do a chant um, and they do, a, it's called Aussie, 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 oi, 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 Aussie, oi, Aussie, oi, and so the whole Australian team starts chanting and I start chanting and I'm like, start crying because we're in this dark tunnel and at the end of the tunnel is like this huge bright light. And it just was this, I'm, I'm a pretty, um, reflective, emotional person. And, and I had this moment when I was just walking through really slowly, or I was like thinking about all the times that I wanted to give up, all the times when it was really hard, all the times when I would work till one in the morning because I had to, I had to work and I would walk home and I didn't have a car, all the times I was exhausted, all the times that I thought my body couldn't go any further, all the times I was scared of judgment, all the times I was afraid of failing every single moment you know over my life and i was thinking about that little girl you know back at eight years old like she would have never believed that i would be here and i would just have this moment i still get emotional obviously like thinking about it because i never ever believed that this would be me and it was me and it was my life i was like this is like a movie and so I was yeah. in this darkness and I, we all have our phones up you know, at the Olympics. Everyone's given Samsung phones. You get like a special edition phone. I put it down and I felt like in that moment when I walked from the darkness straight into the light of the stadium, I just kind of took it in. And I was like, I, I, that was a moment where I was like, I made it. Like, I am an Olympian. I became an Olympian in that moment. And funny enough, the cameras were right on the side. and I was waving. And then the next day, me and my teammate (laughs) were on the front of the newspapers all across the country. And my family around the world saw. And so I often, like, reflect. And when I share a podcast, I reflect on this moment because it was just a moment where all of the hard work they had done and all the moments where I felt like I wanted to give up kind of came to fruition yeah. and I was so incredibly proud of myself. So that was a long-winded After, answer.
0: Yeah. yeah the, I, I, and I enjoyed every moment. I I, I think that um, so many of times we have people that go through that, what you just explained, and they put so much work in it and they sacrifice so much and then you make it And and, and making it is not the thing. You can have that. You could you could relive that moment a thousand times, but sometimes mm-hmm. you just want you want to be appreciated for that. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like you did that for your country, you did that for your family, most of all, you did it for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you make you did what you have to do, what you had to do to win. And that's mm-hmm. a story that I can imagine. And never you'll never get tired of telling.
1: No, I that actually don't. I love I love
0: showing so, that story. <laughs> <laughs> so. um, I'm, I'm truly, truly, truly uh, elated, truly honored to have had this opportunity to speak with you, and I hope we get a chance to do it again. Um, before you go, um, before we close the, the podcast, uh, can you share with my audience where to find you at, where to follow you at, all your social media, your books, what everything you got going on, everything you got coming up?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can find me if you just Google my name, Danielle Kedawell, You'll see my website, DanielleKedwell.com. Yes. My book is called The Unlikely Olympian, and you guys can get it on Amazon. Um, and if you go to my website, you'll see my podcast. So I talk, think, I talk about things around like meditation, mindset, vision for our life, manifestation. I talk about all of those things and more. Um, and I do one-on-one coaching. I run programs. I'm running retreat with my fiance in Bali in a couple months. Um, And I, you know, I've applied all the mindset stuff that I learned to get myself to the Olympics, really to the work that I'm doing now. And, you know, one of the things that I love about uh, the the work that I'm doing now is, you know, being an athlete is incredible, but it's a very selfish pursuit, which is fine, but you have to focus all on yourself. And I got to this moment, I was actually, you know, going to go to the 2020 Olympic games, which is ended up being in 2021. And I had this moment where I was like, I don't want to do it for me anymore. I want to share, I want to help others. And so I love doing what I'm doing now because it's so much bigger than me. You know, I've helped so many women around the world, believe in themselves and develop their mindset and call things into their life by building up their self-worth and it's just been such a magical gift and then also like doing podcasts and getting to meet people like yourself all around the world like it's such a blessing so thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to be on today and, and i've loved our conversation
0: i appreciate it and and it's been amazing i had um i had a pretty interesting day um with family and friends they were all asking about it and everybody was pretty excited about it um i did some oh, so cool late sharing on social media but I got a pretty good reaction from social media. So I can't wait to get this edited and, and posted so we could see what we what we did. I'm Amazing. pretty, pretty excited about it. I think it was a really good, really good conversation. Um, I'm truly, truly honored. I could, I could say that in a minute, I'm truly honored. I, the sacrifices that you made, the things that you've done on the level that you've done it on, I am proud of you. And let's try to do this again.
1: Yeah, I'm down. I love these conversations. Let's do it, Jay.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. Well, I appreciate you being in the flex zone. Y'all can check us out on um, Pandora. You can check us out on Spotify, Apple, Deezer, uh, Amazon Music, all other streaming platforms, but definitely hit us up on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. This podcast will be streaming here in a couple hours. I thank y'all for tuning in. Thank you, Danielle, for joining us. And we hope to have you in the Flex Zone again sometime soon.
1: Amazing. We'd love to. Have a beautiful day, everyone.
0: You too. Thank you.